Welcome back to Fired Up with Anna and Bijou. This is our third episode. I'm Anna. And I'm Bijou. This is a show about climate change through a social justice lens. Each episode, we're going to be taking a deep dive into a specific topic regarding climate change and dissect it from a scientific and political lens. Our goal is not to recite facts or to solve the world's problems, but instead, we're going to be looking deep into the nuances of each issue and ask some questions that can prompt you, the listener, to have similar conversations with your friends and family. The theme of today's episode is death, how we as a society uh, view and process death and the relationship between the themes of death and climate change. So why is it so hard to talk about death and why is it so hard for us as a society to contemplate climate change? We'll be diving into these abstract concepts in today's episode and we'd love to hear any thoughts or ideas it brought up to you while you listened. Before we get into the topic today, we'd like to begin this episode by recognizing the indigenous peoples who have lived and are still living in sacred relationship with the land. We recognize that there are over 380 tribal affiliations living within the city of Portland. Our podcast team is committing to this work for a just and equitable future. We want to keep those held in minorities due to existing power structures in our hearts and minds while we speak to sensitive topics. In order to truly stop the worst impacts of the climate crisis, we must be actively decolonizing ourselves and our approaches to this work. Uh, Just a quick disclaimer, though, this episode deals with a difficult topic. Uh, Do not feel obligated to engage if you're not in the space to do so. So well said. Okay, Bijou, we're going to be talking about death today. It's a big topic. It is. It's very heavy. The reason we wanted to kind of talk about, well, the reason that I think I brought up this episode a long time ago when we were talking about it in the summer was um, I was going through the process and funeral process of um, my grandmother after she passed. And, you know, of course, processing a death in the family is um, like... It's big and it's complicated. It can bring up a lot of feelings. Um, and lately, just because of a lot of different things in my life and just the the state of the world, I've been processing a lot of things through the lens of climate change. And so really piqued my interest of, you know, what does a sustainable death mean? And then from there, also just, you know, processing death is really hard. How can we how does that relate to also how we as a society process climate change? Because we don't seem to do it very well. Right. And I I remember we brought up, well, you brought up this idea of doing a death topic, and then we decided to do birth and death as the kind of combo. And I think it's really cool that it kind of started from this darker place, and we're like, oh, well, we should look at both sides, too. Mm -hmm. And maybe not even darker, too. Like, I don't know. No, but I'm glad you said that, because I think that we do, like, especially in Western culture, just view death as, like, a dark and scary thing. And just after doing this research and, you know, talking with you about all this, I want to, like, reframe how I think about death and consider it, you know, it's it's part of life, Um, something we're always going to encounter, and every single one of us is going to go through that. And that's, like, sounds like a big thing, but it's also shouldn't be controversial to talk about. Right. It's, like, one of the things that really holds us all together as not even just a species, but just as things on this planet as we all live. Well, we're all like born and we all die. And why is that so scary? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's talk about it. Um, Just a, a little disclaimer for the research I did, and I realized this kind of before we started, is that 
I looked up death in regards to humans and how we as a species will die, but uh, humans are some of the most equipped species to handle these quick changes. Um, other creatures have harder times uh, and will subsequently go extinct. So other creatures, you know, don't have our brains. So it makes it harder for them to adapt to these uh, quick environmental changes. Oh, yeah. You mean like in terms of climate change? Yeah. Yeah. Because I wonder how much animals actually think about dying. <laughs> probably right. all the time because they're just trying to survive. But also it's probably – you were very like philosophical about it. But right. I see what you mean like They don't have the, the existential issues. But like in terms of how I'm talking about death, it's definitely in the hu- uh, human perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same. I, that's how I did my research as well. Yeah. Just one for the other. Um, okay. I have some – Quick information on deaths related to climate change. Uh, I remember this summer there was a article, I guess, that came out. Um, I think it was in June or July that spoke about a man and I think his father who were killed because of water scarcity in India. So what happened was the this family, everyone was kind of in line to get water because there was severe water shortages in India and uh quarrel broke out and someone was killed over it which is very scary and very unfortunate these are definitely things that we have to be aware of and be conscious of as we have less resources the world health organization wrote a quantitative risk assessment of the effects of climate change uh between 2030 and 2050, and I think they estimated there would be 250,000 deaths related to climate change within that 20-year span, um, with the highest numbers being attributed to child malnutrition due to climate change. Mm-hmm. And that report also touched on the fact that climate change is absolutely already causing deaths. Um, just reports on the climate crisis, it's hard to measure because we're not, by country, we're not necessarily measuring deaths like especially like specifically linked to climate change but there's things like droughts and famine and you know increased temperature that we can absolutely say are being caused because the overall temperature of the earth is rising right so yeah and i think they even said that children in developing countries will always face the brunt of these uh, of this crisis mm-hmm. and it's really hard to process that because those are people we need to help the most well and it's already happening i think that's for me yeah. it's like a big thing that's really what you said about processing it's we're already facing it it's like yeah because i keep relating this back to death like death is something you know i guess thinking about my own death it's something that's in the future hopefully farther into the future but you know climate change i think we frame it a lot and it has been framed a lot in the past of that it's something in the future but i feel like within the last you know few years we're realizing that no climate change the impacts of climate change we're already feeling yeah and um to kind of touch on that there is a just even a headline that said is death a process or an event and i think a lot of people think of it as an event and it's one thing that happens and usually a natural death you know it changes for the type of death but natural deaths usually are a process it's a thing that begins and then slowly kind of escalates over time until you die and then after that, like, nothing after that. I had nothing after that. <laughs> That's good. Well, I did want to talk about the process of what happens to our bodies after we die because I think that 
gives us a really good segue into talking about burial and cremation, which I know we wanted to touch on. But um, I guess I can talk really quick about the process. I think it's very interesting um, to kind of just understand like what's the physical process of of our bodies after we pass on and it's honestly so fascinating because I think it just like researching this and understanding like the scientific processes to show that we're just you know our whole we're we're built from the earth and we're going to return to the earth no matter what even if you know that happens in a really (laughs) unsustainable way or whatever like it's just the process of life and that's something that we don't have control over and we have to kind of relinquish that and recognize its beauty so I'm not going to get into the gritty details but when you do die after that what happens to your body is first thing is that all your muscles relax your eyelids lose tension your jaw might fall open your limbs become more flexible is this too gross to get into I I don't think so I think it's interesting (laughs) okay um yeah so your body starts to just relax um yeah your blood you know within minutes of the heart stopping um your your, the tone of your skin um, begins to grow more pale, you know, especially if you have lighter skin, um, the blood drains from the smaller veins into the skin, your body begins to cool its normal temperature to match the surrounding temperature around you. Um, it's known as algor mortis or the death chill. Um, it follows a progression where it starts to cool quite quickly after you die and then it slows down a little bit after that until it matches the temperature in the, in the room or where you are. And then so the the piece that I find is really interesting is that, you know, when your heart stops pumping blood, then gravity begins to pull, um, pull it to the areas of the body that's closest to the ground. So this pooling of blood, um, and it can cause like purple discoloration, looks like a bruise, um, especially depending on, you know, your skin color and things like that. Um, and then like in like a few hours after, after dying, um, the chemicals in your body start to change and then your body starts stiffening. So first become relaxed and then rigor mortis sets in. And um, so after your body reaches that state of rigor mortis, after about 12 hours, your muscles actually begin to loosen and there's continued chemical changes that happen within your cells and your internal tissue. Kind of intense, but your stomach starts to kind of eat itself basically. And, you know, your stomach acid is basically released from like the contains of your stomach and start to break down your body essentially and um your skin starts to shrink um i know it's it's, (laughs) it is gross but it's also you know i was trying to frame it as this is your body just doing what it's meant to do and like literally nature taking over and there's nothing that you know we can embalm we can do whatever but um these are human ways to kind of deal with it and stop that natural process and it's literally just your body just like taking care of of itself and and decomposing itself and returning itself back to its you know the earth if yeah. you were to be buried without embalming or being you know confined or anything so yeah no it's just the, it's fascinating i think a lot of where the uncomfortable aspect of it comes at least for me is uh you know i'm in my body right now and to feel valid like my skin <laughs> tightening is a little uncomfortable well and it's where the the myth of your fingernails and your hair continue to grow after you die that's like a myth oh i forgot about but it's that. just your skin is tightening so it like looks like it could be which is super weird but like yeah that's so weird yeah there's all these interesting myths that while i was researching this like there's a myth of like your like that body your body like a dead body can like sit up after dying but like that doesn't happen like that happens in like horror movies but like your body can't like twitch after death or like move a muscle because it's just like gases being released right so interesting that's so 
But, you know, Bijou and I wanted to talk, like, we wanted to talk about um, after that, you know, what does society do with our bodies? An interesting fact is that as of 2016, 50% of Americans chose cremation, while 43.5% of Americans opted for a burial. So within the last 50 years, and these are, this is in the United States, um, within the last 50 years, uh, cremation has gone way up. When our grandparents were alive, it was unheard of to be cremated. It was super improper. Um, pe- people just didn't do that. But now just because of various reasons, including the fact that it's really expensive to be buried, mm-hmm. um, people have opted for cremation. And so, yeah, so pretty much everybody's being cremated or buried. Um, but both of them have really big environmental impacts. Yeah, I was really like I knew burial was not good for the environment, but I don't think I realized how bad it was for the environment. Um, so embalming fluid is a known carcinogen, but 4.2 million gallons are buried per year in uh, cemeteries. There's 20 million board feet per year buried for caskets of tropical hardwood. Um, 1.8 million tons of concrete grave liners are buried per year, and that's concrete, which I don't know if any of you know, but concrete is horrendous for the environment. Concrete is bad. It's bad. And then also there's the upkeep of cemeteries generally. So they have to mow, they use pesticides, there's no biodiversity within a lot of arable land that could be used for uh, farming or um, urban you know, gardens, Um, which means that food has to be transported from further away, which just exacerbates the problem of food deserts. Oh, I didn't even think about that. I also learned that 10 acres of cemetery contain enough coffin wood to build 40 houses. Oh, that's a lot. That's not good. It's just, I mean, it's so fascinating when you really think about it. And I think it's honestly a complicated issue of when we're talking about burial, like, because I think there's something really beautiful about, like, a graveyard, honestly, or, like, being able to go visit someone if you, you know, mm-hmm. believe in that or if it brings you comfort. I haven't had anyone super close to me pass away, but um, I have had, you know, I have family members who who that would be, and it is really important to be able to, ha- like, know that there's a physical place because I think we really do just have such a hard time processing what it means to, like, pass on. Mm-hmm. Um But at the same time, it's so unsustainable and it also is just wild that there's just, you know, so much upkeep that goes into cemetery and so the fact that embalming fluid is carcinogenic, is a known carcinogen, it's just like so (laughs) ironic. I mean, it's just interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And also it just, and this is a personal belief, I, it feels artificial and odd to try and stop my body from decomposing and to like try and halt that process. Why would you like, I don't know. This is definitely personal, but I like, I'm not using it. Why am I trying to preserve it? It's well, and I really think useful. a big thing is just, and then I learned this because of my grandma's funeral, like it took a really long time for it. Like she passed away in the summer and we didn't have a funeral till November. And oh, so wow. embalming was a way to preserve her body um before the funeral happened that makes sense she eventually was cremated but i think that like that's just like a you know a thing where if you the funeral can't happen right away mm-hmm. they don't just have like a ton of fridges to store people or it's just a lot say, easier yeah. i think 
to to do the cream uh, to do the you know um embalming process which is also i mean it's just interesting because it's obviously bad but it's also okay that's a valid reason almost i don't know right i don't know i mean not valid but it's just like it makes sense i guess yeah because people want to you know visit and be there for the event so it makes sense in that case but also there's and ultimately i believe that funerals are for the living so it makes sense to kind of keep them around but there's gotta be a better way to do it we just need a giant freezer (laughs) not unsustainable (laughs) at all (laughs) the energy is um yeah okay well now we know about burial what about cremation uh again from the same article so it takes 28 gallons of fuel to burn a single body, which emits 540 pounds of CO2, which is approximately 250,000 pounds per year. It's a lot of CO2. Wait, what do you mean by 250,000 po- pounds a year? For all the bodies? Or? All the bodies. Oh, like per year. So overall in mm-hmm. the United States. Okay, that makes yeah. sense. And then after that, I kind of hopped into more of sustainable options so do you have any other information on cremation yeah i mean one thing that i learned about cremation is that it takes a temperature of 750 to 800 degrees that must be maintained for 45 to 90 minutes which you know i'm an energy nerd and that's super energy intensive so um on top of just you know the the fuel and the the emissions that it that it you know or side effects of cremation um just the process of it is really energy intensive and you know you already mentioned this but just um there's just like a lot of chemicals within the body that are released one thing i learned that was interesting is like we used to fill teeth like dental we used to do dental fillings with mercury and so if you cremate a body that has like mercury yeah it's like what (laughs) (laughs) um this isn't as much of a problem now but it used to be like I don't know. It doesn't. It doesn't emit a ton, but it's also like we're emitting. Like if you're burning that body, then there's mercury being emitted into the atmosphere, which is like yeah. really bad. Just thought that was interesting. That's really interesting. I did not know that we used to fill teeth with mercury. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Yeah, it's bad. Uh. Anyways, that's all I had. Okay. Cool. Oh, should we talk about some alternatives? Yeah. So, what are these other? What is it? Eight percent of people doing? Yeah. Seven percent. I mean, there were a lot of options, some of them silly, some of them not. What are the options? Hold on, I'm trying to find it. <laughs> oh, here we are. Um, so not all winners, but some fun things to do. Uh, one that I really like is donate your body to science. Uh, I'm a big old academic nerd over here. I, my body could be used for science. That'd be awesome. Uh, burial and cremation are the two main ones. Preservation is the other one. So you can do like uh, cryogenics and what <laughs> yeah dude you can be That's frozen common? <laughs> well not common it's a lot of money oh is that what they do with elvis i think that's a myth okay <laughs> they froze him so that they can bring him back in the future that's the thing people who are like oh man i'm gonna get reanimated in the future and it's gonna be dope they can get be so rich cryogenically frozen um you can be made into trinkets, like turn into a small diamond or something else. You can compost yourself, which I think we're going to talk about a little bit later. You can also, I remember this being a really big one, uh, plant yourself as a tree. And I'm pretty sure for the rest of these, they include cremation and then you can just be made into things, which totally down if that's what you want to do with your body. Just know that it does involve cremation. So, because I'm not sustainable. Exactly. <laughs> Necessarily. Yeah. Um, 
So the tree planting one, I think you like put your ash into this kind of tree rooting thing and then your tree uses your nutrients and becomes a big old cool tree. Can be turned into fireworks. You can become a record. You can float into the sky in a biodegradable balloon, which is biodegradable. Yeah, it's something. Um, and then I know we were talking about this earlier, uh, getting buried at sea. I want to be buried at sea. I've decided after five minutes of research. It may not be permit friendly. It's still in the works. We love permits. <laughs> I love permits. Um, yeah, so basically it's actually legal to do a sea burial. Of course, you have to get on a boat somehow and you have to be like three miles away from shore, which makes sense. You can't do this with your pet, unfortunately, which is sad. Um and yeah you have to be what i like about it is like the permits require all these sustainable things like you can't be buried in plastic or like thrown over in plastic like they recommend you are wrapped in just like a biodegradable shroud Mm -hmm. and then maybe tied with a heavy chain so you sink (laughs) maybe not as sustainable i don't know but it seems kind of cool yeah i don't know i throw me into the sea yeah i'm super down to that just like catapult me into the sea yeah well, you can't be catapulted. That's in the permit. You can't be turned into a rocket and then catapulted into the sea. You have to be pushed over in a boat, which is cool. Okay, um, they had a perm- They had a thing around flowers. You are allowed to be um, – they have to be biodegradable, which is like what kind of flowers are you using if they're not? <laughs> buys a bunch of plastic flowers. <laughs> <Just like, laughs> plastic roses. Um, oh, my gosh. That's so beautiful. Yeah. I want so that. So what's cool about this is I now know how I want to die. Maybe. I don't know. Someone has to go on a boat then. I'm terrified of boats, so maybe I don't want to be – I don't know. Yeah. I don't know anyone with a boat. But- except my roommate. Amelia, tell your parents to <laughs> bring me out to sea. <laughs> the other one um I know we were also talking about is that yeah, just getting like buried in a pit in the forest, which sounds when I say it out loud sounds a little creepy. Sounds a little creepy. But Yeah, we're doing that for you. <laughs> Anna Also I think you have to you definitely have to be really careful with that because I don't you like you probably just can't like where in the woods are you going like is it private woods like can you do that on state lands like i think from what i was reading you can do it on your own private property but it seriously decreases the value of your house and you have to because you have to let people know like there's a body buried there so there's i think it's harder than you think to just go dump a body in the woods legally why does it decrease the value i think i'm just saying like people most people we're very clearly like down with death but i think most people would be kind of worried out that there's a random dead body buried in their like house they're about to buy they can look at my will they can see that that's like what i signed up to do it's fine <laughs> i'm just thinking about like my like where would i even i'm thinking about my like childhood home like we had a yard but like where in that yard would you put a body like that's the thing I- dig pretty darn deep too yeah six feet under man six feet under yeah you don't want the the loose pebbles to be blown away on a windy day. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> There's just like three pebbles on top of your body. <laughs> ah, she's buried. <laughs> oh, I'm not trying to shoot down your idea. I just like, I don't think you really have to do some research. I'm also, this is how I'm going there. I'm very down to lie. I'm just like, just bury me in my, like. I'm yeah, but then someone lie. else is responsible for the legal issues. I guess if you, never mind. <laughs> Never mind. It's gonna get morbid and true crimey. Yeah, it would work. Cool. Cool. Well, you know, wait. You de- okay? Back up. We definitely don't want to just bury randomly bury a body in the woods because what if someone stumbles upon that and then it like throws them off from a murder investigation? 
This is a big thing, you guys. Okay, I'll be buried in the woods with, like, a giant or, like, a tree planted, and then I'll have generations later, like, carve, like, Bijou is buried here. (laughs) Don't worry about cause of death. (laughs) Your great-grandchildren. Yeah. Okay. We should move on. It will work. I love that. Okay, I don't even oh, know. Oh, hang on. Sergio's messaged us. Oh. Oh, Sergio. Hang on. Let's look at this. We've got time. <gasps> Wait, what? <gasps> See? Yeah, you can be turned into diamonds. I'm pretty sure you have to be cremated first. Okay. Wait, Sergio just what? sent How us relate? a link that says dead people and pets are being forged into sparkling blue diamonds. Here's how. So we're going to read Hikings how. That's not what my article says. Wait, what? Really? Mine says natural diamonds form out of carbon that get stuck in lava tubes. Do you send us two different links? Just one. <laughs> Within the chat? Yeah. Just, just. Or, okay, we'll deal with this later. It's like a similar topic. It's company. Maybe I didn't copy the whole. Hold on. Titles, how oh, here. Okay. Natural diamonds form. Oh, if you go to the very top, I think it's like that's uh, the... Okay. Oh, I see. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, all right, I'm putting this in my will. I want to be turned into a, a blue diamond with my dog, Zula. That's really cute. Hopefully I die later than her. <laughs> or she lives forever. I don't want her to live without me. No. She'd be so sad. Oh, right. She'd oh, really miss really me. Sad. Okay, that was fun. Okay, so something I wanted to touch on that I thought was really interesting, well, and just in general, when we're looking at climate change, we're looking at it through an environmental justice lens. And um, one thing, you know, when we're talking about funerals, I was wondering what happens if you can't afford a funeral? Because it does cost a lot to cremate your body, to have, you know, be buried and things like that. And then I just was, you know, going down a rabbit hole because basically if you can't afford a funeral, your body gets turned over to the state, which is where a lot of like medical research bodies come from and things like that um or like if you if you die in prison and and you kind of lose the right in some ways unless your family takes it over i don't know but a lot of people that are in prison maybe don't have you know family or like someone that's willing to take care of them outside or just regardless financial means yeah, yeah financial things so i just thought that was really interesting and i was wondering you know from a justice lens do we have a right to grieve like do we have a right to our family member's body, even if we can't afford to, like, dispose of it in a legal way? I mean, I think that is fully dependent on what your beliefs are and how each individual grieves. I'm trying to remember, and I'm going to butcher this because I don't know much about this, but I'm pretty sure, isn't there a thing where, like, if someone dies, this might just be movies, where someone dies, like, in the army, but across the country you have to like send them the body or, like send the family the body or something mm-hmm. but that's because they're part of the army okay and i'm just yeah it's interesting that it truly just based on our law system people who are in prison don't get that right based on our justice system yeah i was reading this really interesting book um about burial in different cultures and it's from a woman's perspective who runs a morgue and just a very male-dominated industry and she's like looked into all these different cultures and just like you know 
through this lens of what does it mean to be buried like through the western culture and she starts off with a story talking about how one day she's working in the morgue and she gets a call and someone is calling from the hospital and it's this nurse and she's like you know i have this woman here and her mother just passed and she wants to take the body home like can she do that and the the funeral homeowner was like yeah technically she can and the nurse was like really weirded out by this but it was like a hispanic family and they wanted like traditionally they wanted to um like take the body home clean it and like be with it for three days before they decided to bury it and this young woman who you know had the nurse call the funeral home um ended up calling the the funeral home owner later and was just like thank you so much like this like the hospital thought we were just like so weird they just didn't believe us and you know like this is just our way of of processing even though like from maybe a western perspective we're really weirded out by that that you'd want to like hang out with the body you know but it's just like a way of grieving yeah Okay, so I wanted to talk about a sustainable alternative to cremation and burial. Uh, that is one, it's okay, I don't know how to explain this. So, the article I was looking into described it as a quote unquote stylized pit, which ultimately what happens is you take your body and it gets put into this pit. I think it's the concept. And then a bunch of other organic matter is placed with. The bodies, like wood chips, alfalfa, straw, and it gets turned into nutrient-rich soils with the assistance of microbes. Essentially, you're using your body for compost. Yeah, and the original Urban Death Project idea was a three-story downtown cemetery that would be interactive. It would look more like a park. The goal was for it to not necessarily look like a cemetery, and um, it would, like, if you were to have your funeral home there essentially like you would be carried by your friends and family up to the top of this pit and your body would be like placed in there and yeah like there'd be nutrient rich soil that was added and basically your body would break down and the person who designed this she got her idea because there's like a practice among like agricultural workers and farmers where they'll do this with cows like cows that have passed on and turn like deceased cows into compost and fertilizer and so it's just the same kind of way it's like and the reason it's like a three-story thing is because they in order for like the body to break down quicker you use um like air oxidization mm-hmm. yeah yeah and oxidation? um oxidation oxidization <laughs> oh my oxidation. gosh <laughs> i have not been in school in a while um but body becomes oxidized and um basically that just like they're they're meant to be a space for, um, you know, people to get a little bit more in touch with death, for bodies to be, um, like, it's, it's, the idea is for it to be very central and local and, like, each of these three-story cemeteries or pits, basically, to be representative of the community that they're from. Mm-hmm. The problem is the Urban Death Project got a ton of hype. It was really, people were really excited about it, got, like, a Kickstarter and stuff, but um, I think the project's on hold because a lot of people are uncomfortable about the idea of their bodies being mixed together Mm -hmm. and more just I think people that are you know their friends and family that are left behind they want a space to go like that's specifically for their person um to be able to go you know pay their respects and like you know yeah visit their deceased person yeah I wonder what the difference for those who choose to be cremated um are in favor of this or if it is really the concept of you know bodies mixing that is 
uh, uncomfortable for them. I agree with you. I think it's, I mean, I think it's probably just a reframing of the way we view what happens to our bodies. Because, you know, the way I was thinking about it, I think that the sustainable funeral industry is like on like a path right now, like on the rise because we just are like changing the way we view it. And we all like people are more concerned about what, like how their body is impacting the the environment after they leave. Mm -hmm. Um, Like I said, like 50 years ago, cremation was unheard of and now it's the most popular way to go. And so I think like, I just, I'm agreeing with you. Like, I think it is interesting that we don't separate the two. Like it seems different to us. Yeah. But I don't know. I'd be fine being put in a pit. Oh, I'd love to be put in a pit. Because then you could be turned into like a tree or something. Yeah, like is. in a more natural way. Love it. Cool. Okay, so, you know, besides the Urban Death Project, which is probably one of the more extreme ways to have a sustainable death, there are um, more sustainable funeral funeral homes and uh, cemeteries. Um, we live in Portland, Oregon, so there's quite a few around where we live people are very concerned about their impact on the earth after they pass and you know they're done in different ways whereas um like um graves would be dug by hand people would be buried you know not in bombs they might not even be in boxes just in like a biodegradable burial shroud um no traditional headstones or lawnmowers um maybe just like some some stones kind of to show where a body is um, and kind of maybe used more as like a park where people could go and play and like enjoy their time. Um, Definitely not like the main popular thing, but it is a little bit more of a transition, I think. Right. And I think that that's a step in the right direction because I don't think this is going to change overnight, but I do think that the more you can kind of step people through getting acquainted with death, the quicker we'll get to more radical ideas. Hell yeah. So we're probably going to have to. Hell yeah. Yeah. Thanks, climate change. Okay. So we wanted to talk about how processing death, the process of processing death, is hard for a lot of us, hard to talk about with our friends and family, um, hard to process our own mortality, and that really overlaps with how it is really difficult as a society to talk about climate change. Um, Both of these things feel very overlapped, overlapping. Definitely. Um, I have two things I kind of wanted to touch on, religion and uh, the grieving process. So ultimately, to kind of just touch on religion, uh, I wanted to look at how mainly Christianity um, views the afterlife and how we view the death of our planet. Uh, I think the way that stereotypically the death of our planet is depicted is kind of through a hellscape you know you see everything on fire and everything's black and smoking and it's very dark um and that's kind of the view of hell and i think that creates a greater amount of fear around processing climate change and what we can do to actually get there and also the concept of how a lot of religions allow for forgiveness and then everything will be okay Um, But that's not how climate change works. You have to make the actions and you have to put in the work to make sure that our Earth doesn't turn into a hellscape. Deep. Um, So the grieving process was created by Elizabeth Kubler-Ross in 1969. Um, The seven stages are shock and denial, pain and guilt, anger and bargaining, depression, the upward turn, reconstruction and working through, acceptance and hope. And we don't have to get into how all of these uh, are 
connected to climate change, but I think it's a really fun thought experiment to kind of see where you are in that process and the whole idea that grieving isn't a linear a linear process. It is fully cyclical and you go back and you go through the processes again and at some point you will reach the end, but um, but you will we'll all get there and we'll all get to acceptance and hope at some point and moving forward. Yeah, I think that's really, really interesting to look at the grieving process um, through the lens of climate change. I think that as a society, especially in the United States, we're definitely still probably at that denial phase. Yeah. Very much so. And yeah, that's really interesting. Um, Gosh, there's just so many overlaps. Um, When we're talking about death, I found a great article from legacy.com that talked about, you know, why we don't talk about death, but we should. And it listed six different things on why six different reasons we don't, you know, necessarily talk about death, such as we don't feel prepared. It's unsettling to think about our own mortality. We don't want to traumatize our loved ones. We fear a family dispute. It makes us think about all we haven't accomplished. And I just sat and I looked at that list and I was like, wow, that is so much of the reasons why we don't talk about climate change. And I think that I could even say that that's definitely why I don't always talk about climate change. Um, You know, I don't feel prepared all the time. I definitely, it's definitely unsettling to think about the big, you know, issues of climate change. The concepts of climate change are really abstract. They don't necessarily always feel like they're hitting home. Um, They're also, you know, it can be really overwhelming and desensitizing to be, you know, thinking about it all the time, especially when as a society we aren't. Mm -hmm. And so it can feel very isolating. Um, in the same way that maybe processing death could. Yeah, yeah, because everyone else isn't processing death. But if you are, that can be really hard to share with other people. Um, I know a big one for me is the fact that I don't want to traumatize loved ones. Like to put fear into them is very unsettling. But it's those are the conversations that you need to have, and it's all about how you frame it too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I love those six things. I think they are pretty much just. I mean, that's it. I think that's the biggest mirror that you can have between death and climate change and how we process it. Do we wrap up? I guess so. I don't know. I got like, like I could go on, but I don't want to go down a rabbit hole. (laughs) So, yeah, I mean, I think we really could keep talking about this forever, but uh, I think that we've left you all with some questions that you know, can start to frame hopefully conversations with your friends and family. I think the best thing we can do, you know, about these big issues is to talk about them. Because first of all, talking means that you're not feeling as isolated when you're thinking about big issues. And um, it can also start, you know, processes, it can also uh, instigate actions. Right. And I think, uh, that's the only way that we're going to learn how to process death and how we're going to learn to process climate change. So we have a fun question. Yeah, we wanted to leave you all with a question from this episode. What do you want to do with your body after you die? Whew. It is quite the rabbit hole to go down. There are many things you can do with your body and you can get pretty creative, but definitely challenge you to think about, um, you know, death is the last thing we do on this earth. What happens to our body is the last way will have an impact on the environment. And how can we do that in a sustainable way? I love that. Yay. <laughs> well, thank you, Bijou. It was great chatting with you today. Thanks, Anna. Thanks, Sergio. Thanks, Sergio. <laughs> okay, thanks for listening, guys. Um, have a great rest of your day. Enjoy yourselves. Cheers. Hey, y'all. Sergio again. 
Thank you so much for listening. If you aren't already following us on all the social medias, go check out our bio.fm profile at bio.fm forward slash fired up podcast. That's bio.fm forward slash fired up podcast. Just a disclaimer, this is our last episode we recorded before the coronavirus pandemic, so please excuse us if we didn't discuss with that frame of mind at the time. But again, thanks so much for listening. 